0: You are listening to The Family Culture Project, and this is episode number 16. How an annual retreat will benefit your family.
1: We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love.
0: And become the family you were meant to be.
1: i am so excited to be talking about this topic today because our family just got finished with our annual retreat and it was such a phenomenal experience.
0: Yeah, we've done it for the past three years and we see the growth both in ourselves and our children each year.
1: So the key component of a family retreat are the discussions that you have around who you are individually and as a family. Our retreat worksheet was inspired by 360 peer reviews that are commonly used within organizations. Carl, why don't you tell us more about 360 peer reviews?
0: many of us within organizations would be familiar with this concept. It's a concept of, of, of when you're um, a manager um, either of yourself or a smaller group, what happens usually annually, sometimes biannually, is you'll get a 360 review um, from, from people that are under you, people that are at your same level, your peers, um, your colleagues, people that you trust and respect, as well as your bosses, Um, And usually I say bosses because you have your direct boss, but you have all other what you would consider your main clients and that would give you feedback each year. The great part about these reviews is you get honest feedback for both what you're doing well and what you need to improve in as a leader. Um, And and the reason I say it's honest feedback is because most of the time it's done anonymously. This feedback is supposed to be... um, uh, useful to you, meaning that it's not supposed to be something that you did wrong that they're trying to make you feel bad about. It actually is supposed to be worded in such a way that it would help you grow as a leader, um, but also help encourage you on the things that you are doing well. Um, and it's a great, it's a, it's a great. Uh, I think it's a great experience, and it's a great form um, to to have that feedback. So from a family perspective, as you know, we leverage a lot of what we've learned with organizational culture and we've incorporated the idea of the 360 review into our family retreats.
1: Yeah. So I basically just got online and started looking at different 360 peer review models and took it and changed it so that it would benefit our family and help us grow together and help us have the same sort of feedback and insight into how we're doing. So a family retreat is two to three days of connecting with one another,
0: having fun together, which is an important part of it,
1: and then assessing where we are individually and as a family
0: plus giving encouragement and coming up with ways to grow.
1: Whether you're within an organization or in a family, having these sort of assessments and retreats have lots of benefits, and we're going to share with you just a few. So number one, it increases self-awareness. Now, the reason why I started this, or I proposed that we would do this, is because I wanted to understand how Carl and I were doing as parents. I had an idea of who we wanted to be and what kind of parents I wanted to be, but I wasn't sure if I was getting it right and having an opportunity to be in an environment where my kids are giving me very specific feedback and telling me what they really think of me. I was excited about that idea because I knew that it would give me a better understanding of how I was perceived. So I might have in my head that there's one particular way that I am, But sometimes the way people perceive you and the way sometimes your actions appear or come off may be very different. And so... I really wanted to have an understanding of who I was and how I was impacting my children's lives. But I also wanted them to have an understanding of how they were impacting the lives of their siblings and us.
0: For sure. I think I think the self-awareness um, is an important part, with whether it's within organizations or within families, knowing what your children think of how well you're doing versus what you think of how well you're doing. Knowing what your spouse thinks of how well you're doing versus how you think you're doing. And knowing one, each other, I think one of the cool parts is how they give constructive feedback to one another um, as well as giving it to their parents. So, mm-hmm. so I think the cool part about it is the feedback that they actually give each other in a safe environment.
1: So number two, it provides a full perspective of strengths and weaknesses. So our retreat worksheet touches on things like, how do you get along? Are you courteous? Are you honest? And so everyone gets to give their opinion, not just us as parents, but the siblings as well, which produces a multidimensional perspective. And then we have the opportunity to cheer each other on and make suggestions on how they can
0: improve. Right. It's encouraging, I think, to the kids to, to get some good feedback from their siblings, especially. Right? It's great it's great to get it from your parents as well, and but it's also great to see a similarity in feedback and, and it's and it's also good to get get feedback it's not just positive but the stuff where you're working on because the funny thing about it is is that usually know that they need to work on that area
1: number three it builds confidence and boosts morale so one of the things i love about spending time together in this way is that the members of our family feel heard and as a result they believe that what they say matters this cultivates a culture of openness
0: yeah, that's for sure. I, I I have been surprised at how open they are in their comments to re, to each other. Not open in just actually giving their comments, but actually receiving their comments. And how accepting they are of, of things and areas that they need to work on. So this does it in an environment where I feel like they can receive it. Whereas often in the heat of the moment, um, it's much more difficult to hear what a parent or a sibling has to say about their Behavior, um, especially if it's not good behavior, um, and this creates an environment where they can be self-reflective on things that they've done either recently or if consistently through time, mm-hmm. and and reflect on it in an environment that's safe, and and you can even joke around a bit about it. Number
1: four, it empowers us as parents. We gain greater insight into understanding our kids, and even the siblings have greater understanding and who they are and how they can interact with one another. I think part of the process of empowerment includes learning language that helps them communicate with one another. So on our worksheets, we talk about um, representing the family well. We talk about things like integrity. We talk about things um, like patience. And when our kids or even us have conflict with one another, we're able to go back to the language that we used in these retreats and say, hey, what you're doing, does it line up with our family culture? Or we can cheer each other on and say, I loved how you're growing in a certain area.
0: Yeah, I think the empowerment part is important because not only are they empowered to give the feedback, receive the feedback, come up with ways to actually improve, but also when you get um, check-ins and when you do check-ins, you can really go back to those points and say, yeah, you've really improved in this area. Um, one of the areas as a family that we, we've talked about and joked around about on this podcast before is how we were always late and we were known for always being late. But now we've improved in that area so we can look back and say, we're not late anymore. So that's mm-hmm. not even on you know, some of the things that well, we could do better as a family.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a directly direct result from our first family retreat was that feedback, and we've been able to change that. And so that brings us to number five, which is it provides accountability. Everyone finds out how they can grow and then expectations are set in place. And the last one, number six, is it fosters continuous improvement. I absolutely think that we should always be growing and always be learning and I think the busyness of life sometimes prevents that and annual retreats and check-ins and accountability allows us to come alongside each other and say how are you doing on this? How am I doing on this? What can I do better? And when you continuously annually have that sort of language and those sort of conversations they become more and more natural and i think in the future our children as they enter the workplace as they enter environments where their progress and their work product is evaluated they'll be able to understand what it means to grow and to improve and to be open to feedback and be humble
0: all right i think that's a great point because let's let's be honest um These kids are getting this young and they're getting feedback in a safe environment young and they're feeling some of the feelings of, you know, that we all feel when we hear critical feedback of defensiveness and and, and the things that go wanting to defend and and the things that go along with that. But they're they're able to do this in this safe environment and, and, and work through it. Mm-hmm. um, at these young ages and think about how much better they're going to be once they get into a work environment and they've got a boss that gives them a review mm-hmm. and, and, and they're going to be a step ahead of the game. So, yeah. so I think it really can, is going to help them throughout their lives.
1: Yeah. I think for a favorite, my favorite part of this is that it creates coaching moments for us to coach them and to co- for them to coach one another. And I think that's um, a huge part of improvement and self-growth.
0: And the other thing I wanted to mention on accountability, I know, I know we talked about that as the fifth point, but on the accountability front, I I like the idea of accountability in the sense of um, the kids are accountable to the behavior that they know they're doing wrong, meaning that they're being called out on the things that they know they're doing wrong, Mm -hmm. they can kind of chuckle about it. But then but then with the f- feedback that they get from all their family members, it's a recognition that everybody else knows what they're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and and that, I think, is a cool point because it, it expresses to them that they're not actually hidden. Mm-hmm. That what they're doing is visible and apparent and everyone sees it.
1: And to your point... Not only do they realize that what they're doing is not hidden, but they realize that their behavior, the choices that they make, impacts the family as a whole. So sometimes, you know, we might have our things in areas where we haven't grown or developed or matured, and we might think it doesn't bother anybody or it doesn't affect anybody, but it does. And these conversations help us to see, like, in the big picture and in in the whole of family culture, how is that affecting us? And so we're learning that um, we're an integral part of the workings of our family and And we can be inspired and empowered to grow in certain areas because we know it will not only benefit us, but it will benefit everybody in our home. Do you want to know what your loved ones really think of you?
0: A family retreat is a fun way to connect with one another and get honest feedback on how you are doing as a family. Our family retreat is one of the things that we look forward to each year.
1: Go to www.thefamilycultureproject.com and for only $5.99, you can download the Family Retreat Packet and host your own family retreat. So you may be wondering, when should you start having family retreats? Now, we started this pretty late in the game. We started having these retreats when our kids were 8, 10, and 12. But you can start having them earlier.
0: If your child is old enough to have a conversation and give you their opinion on things such as when do they feel the most loved, and when they like what they like most about their family and what they like least, then you're ready for your first family retreat.
1: Just make sure that the activities that you do and the discussions that you have are age appropriate. And as you do these retreats and as you have these discussions and do these activities more often, you'll see that you become more efficient at them. The kids will become familiar with the format and they'll know what to expect and they'll look forward to having these conversations.
0: Yeah, to that point, think about it. I mean, once you do something the first time there's a little bit of trepidation, people don't exactly know exactly what they're getting themselves into, parents include it um but when it comes and 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 you realize how successful and fun the first one is on the more efficiency side certainly the second one um you you get more efficient not only to get more efficient about how you organize your time and the differences between having some of the the question and answer sessions but also having the fun time Um, it just gets just gets clearer um and easier and um, and, and, it, and it's something that we actually really look forward to each year.
1: So here are some tips that will help you have a family retreat. Our first suggestion is to get away. Now we've done this family retreat two different ways. We've done it from home and we've done it at a hotel in a neighboring town. And I'll definitely say that getting away from home is the most efficient way to do it. It doesn't need to be fancy. For example, the first year we found an amazing deal on Groupon for a two day, two night hotel stay in a town that was only 20 minutes from our home. It was ideal because just getting away from the everyday routine, getting away from what's comfortable and natural, you're not distracted, you can give everybody your full attention. That was key to making it a success.
0: So, just like in an organization, when companies get away and go to a, a conference center to get out of the normal day to day, I mean, we all know um, if you're in your house um, and you, you kind of it's easy to get distracted. So, really getting away. Um, and like she said, doing it with this with with something like a coupon for a two night stay somewhere close to your house um, is a great is a great way to make the most out of the family retreat and mm-hmm. make it really fun as well. Kids love going to hotels, especially if they have a pool.
1: Mhm. Yeah. And you can find creative places to do it depending on your budget.
0: Here are some of the things that you should prepare and bring to your first family retreat. First, pack your review sheets. And when I say pack them, create individual folders for each family member. Bring pens and pencils. Bring board games, playing cards, whatever you think are fun games. Bring bathing suits. Bring a picnic blanket. Bring water bottles and snacks. And in the car, always have a Frisbee, a football, or a ball. There's many games that you can come up with on the fly, as I did the one year.
1: We found that alternating the discussions with meal times. Activities that we enjoy and special treats is the best way to do it.
0: Think about your kids' attention span. How many minutes can you do an activity, whether it be 30, 30, 45 minutes um, with your kids on the first activity and then break it whether you play cards or you go down to the pool, um, Put breaks in between. this is what they actually look forward to. And when you break it up this way, it just it just becomes so natural to the kids that it really just becomes an overall enjoyable um, time together.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's those breaks and those activities and the fun that you have that make it a safe environment to speak. They really do feel like it's, like you said, a part of a whole experience.
0: Actually, you're right. I think that's an important point because they, the, our kids don't don't d- dread it. I mean, they, they, from, the, from the get-go, which I was amazed at from the very first one, I was amazed at how open and unthreatened they felt about their comments both on the giving and receiving side Mm -hmm. and how amazingly to me well thought out their comments were back to their siblings in ways that were unhurtful but also encouraging in the areas that they're doing really well in.
1: As Carl mentioned keep the discussions short about 20 maybe 30 minutes. We tried this a bunch of ways and we found out that going too long will cause our kids to lose focus three quarters of the way through our discussions. The pace of these discussions matter too. As parents, you can move the conversation along so that you're not belaboring any one point too long.
0: So I would agree with that point. In in any meeting, you don't want to spend too much time on any one point because it may take away from the other points that are further along in that particular section that you're working on. So if it's a 30-minute meeting, it's a 30-minute session, make sure that you you try to keep the pace so that you get equal time um, across each of the siblings or and across the parents so that the kids aren't losing focus when you get to say the last person
1: yeah or they won't feel like any one person is being picked on
0: um one of the things that i think kimberly is great at is researching what we're going to do and laying out the activity time so we said go somewhere close but that doesn't mean you don't have to do a little bit of prep as parents think about where you want to go whether it's a mini golf place a park just to play some ball in, um, just a place where you could just sit around in a shaded area um, and and play some cards um, or if there's a pool at the hotel, but also research the restaurants locally. It might be 20, 30 minutes away from your house and you might not know where to eat.
1: Oh, definitely. I think that first year we relied a little bit too much on technology and the ability to just pull up a local restaurant or pull up a local activity. We wasted a lot of time and we never want to waste time, especially when we have kids that are hungry and waiting to know what's going to come next. That leads us to our last suggestion, which is have a plan and then create a schedule and stick to it. When I create a schedule for these types of weekends, I like to anticipate how much time each activity, each meal is going to take. And then I try to stick to the schedule because there's a lot to fit in on a weekend like this, and we wanna make sure that we get to all of it.
0: So you're wondering, you just got off your family retreat, you had a great time, you got a lot of great insights, and you can't wait to do it next year. What's next? You know, the thing that we suggest is to organize the data, spend some time organizing the sheets, the feedback and the thoughts, summarizing the key points, the key things that where, where, where there was a lot of common ground on, on what we did well, as each individual person and what we need to work on and then this gives you um, the information that you need to have a check-in later in the year with the kids so it's it's cl- clear and easy to co- cover with each of them and as a family together
1: yeah all the information that you gather the weekend of your family retreat doesn't mean anything if the papers and the folders get stuck in a drawer and never looked at again
0: yeah so it's common threads about the family itself common threads about the individuals, both on the positive and on the developmental side.
1: And then follow up. We typically do our follow up around New Year's time. We sit and we have one-on-one time with our children and talk about the progress they think they've made and the progress they think we've made and try to find any places where we haven't followed up, where we haven't provided accountability for each other. And then it's always a touch point and another opportunity for us to encourage each other into the next season and into the next year.
0: That's about the six-month point. This way, we're doing our retreat in June, and we're doing our follow-up around December, January.
1: And then lastly, save the date for your next annual retreat.
0: So just to recap for everybody, what are the benefits of a family retreat? It increases self-awareness. It provides a full perspective of our strengths and our weaknesses as a family and individually. It builds confidence and boosts morale within our family. It empowers the parents and the children. It increases accountability and fosters continuous improvement.
1: And keep in mind, this isn't going to be a perfect experience. Every conversation is not going to go easy and everything is not going to go smoothly. But that's okay. Because if you stick with it and you're patient with one another, I guarantee that it'll be an amazing experience for you. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find us over at Instagram. It's our favorite place to share our family culture hacks.
0: You can find me at Carl Amici.
1: And you can find me at Kimberly Amici.
0: As you move forward through your week, consider one simple thing that you heard in this episode that you can apply today.
1: And don't worry if you don't get it right the first time.
0: Because family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. To learn more about The Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com. Today's episode was produced by Kimberly Amici, Noelle Rhodes, along with production assistant Melanie Torres. The Family Culture Project is part of the Juniper Collective, a network of podcasting vision carriers who believe every person can have a better life.